Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got Daniel Franco of Burnt Timber Outfitters. Daniel, how you doing? Doing good. You, Jay? Oh, been good. Uh, Daniel, uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. And uh, for those listeners that uh, haven't heard you on the podcast before and maybe don't know you, um, give me a little background on where you grew up and where you live right now. Um, well, they're, they're one in the same, Jay, uh, <laughs> born and raised in the White Mountains of Arizona, uh, specifically in the thriving metropolis of Heber, population seven, and, uh, <laughs> and, and six <laughs> no, of you are Franco's. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Heber, um, been here my whole life, uh, and still here, so, uh, still live in Heber with my wife, and five girls good for you buddy. so now now you understand why i hunt yes now i understand why you go on long sabbaticals by yourself <laughs> that's it um that is it daniel you've been on the podcast a bunch and we've gotten great feedback every time you've been on the podcast uh you and and uh, mike hancock um your partner there at burnt timber outfitters and you guys, uh, oh, I think we met in 2003, if I'm, maybe 2004. Um, uh, something, yeah, three or four. It's been a long time, uh, but we've we've spent some great times together, turkey hunting and elk hunting and doing all sorts of stuff, uh, sheep hunting. Um, and your primary focus there is unit 3C and uh, granted you hunt, you know, 4B, 4A, 23, unit one. Um, would you say your bread and butter unit is 3C since it's right where you live and where you've grown up? Yeah, it is. I mean, we've, we've, uh, Mike and I have, have hunted it for, I mean, as long as I can remember back when I was in high school, um, we've we spent more time in three C's than any other unit. Um, and so, yeah, we, we definitely cut our teeth in three C we've, uh, we've done well in three C. Um, and so it de- definitely our bread and butter unit. We, you know, obviously we have expanded, um, into unit one, um, and 23, 4B, 3B, um, a lot of those other units, like you mentioned. So, but definitely three C is, is our, our bread and butter. You know, it's my, it's my backyard and my house actually, uh, is in 3C, so yeah, it's uh, definitely high on our list. And what are the conditions right now in 3C? We're in this podcast. We're going to talk primarily about um, elk, and with the 2017 uh, applications moving forward, um, I, I, I wanted to get you on to talk about kind of the vibe in 3C. What's going on up there? Um, you know, how the, the last few seasons have, have gone and been for you, kind of the trends you're seeing with the unit and, uh, you know, the, the timing, I want to talk a little bit about the timing of the, uh, dates, uh, you know, coming up in the 2017 season with the archery hunt and then the early rifle Mm -hmm. hunt and then the, you know, the late hunts moving back to December, uh, first through the seventh, uh, I, I guess I would say First, first question is, what is the moisture level uh, as of right now uh, going into this application period that's uh, due February 14th? Uh, you know, right now we are, um, 
we're not sitting under a blanket of snow at this point uh, here in Heber. Um, the north face of the Mogollon Rim does have some snow on it, which is which is always good. Um, we've uh, we've actually had quite a bit of rain this year, which um, has kind of been happening a little more often in the winter times. Normally, you know, back when I was growing up, we were used to snow every winter, and it uh, definitely seems like rain has has uh, been pretty consistent uh, these last couple of years. Which you know, you're not going to hear me complain at all. Um, but we've had uh, we've had pretty good moisture already this year, uh, quite a bit of rain, um, and uh, it seems like the last couple of storms we've had, uh, it's rained for you know half a day or a day, and then and then of course at night it turns to snow and and puts a little blanket of snow on the ground. So um, there's some light snow on the ground, specifically north north slopes, uh, north sides of uh, canyons still have snow, but uh, a lot of the uh, tanks are full. Um, roads are, are pretty muddy so um at this point i would say moisture is 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 great um it it seems to be good and wet out there which is going to you know translate into uh uh spring grass and uh antler growth so would you say that it's better i mean are, i guess let me get a feel for it and maybe ask some questions that some listeners might have in that you're saying that you haven't been getting dumped with snow. You've been getting quite a bit of rain, a little skip of snow here, and then it rains on it. it. In your mind, is that better for the soil, or is it just not as hard on the animals? I, you know, what what is positive about that? Well, it, it's definitely easier on the animals. They don't have to uh, they don't have to struggle, you know, through a, a, a harsh cold winter uh, where they're fighting the snow for. For food and whatnot, so it's definitely uh, definitely makes it easier on the animal. Um, as far as the ground, I mean, it uh, it does help to have some snowpack um, because that does translate into um, as soon as spring starts to come around and the weather warms up, uh, then that snowpack starts to melt off and and you know really starts to run some water and, and green up the grass um, so it's like a but, delayed response almost it, it takes it a while for snow to melt yes yeah a lot of times you know if you if we can get a good snowpack and it stays stays frozen and doesn't really warm up to the point where it melts a bunch then yeah it, it will it will basically give us a delayed uh you know rain or, or snow if you would in in you know the first to middle part of march so gotcha uh so but but correct me if I'm wrong. With you know half of January, February, March, April, you could still see some serious snow coming over the next couple months. It you know I mean it's not out of the question for it to you know snow two or three oh. feet. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know we we've had uh, we've had snows um, you know here in the last I'd say four or five years we've had uh, we've had eight. 10, 12 inches of snow uh, on April 1st. Uh, we've had little snows uh, clear into the middle of, of May even. So, um, yeah, realistically, we're not, uh, we're kind of not out of the winter weather until, you know, definitely into into April, first part of April, and we've even seen um, snow kind of trickle later into the end of April and, and first part of May and whatnot, so. Daniel, I know 3C, um, maybe give everybody a little history lesson. We had a little thing called the Rodeo Chetiskai Fire, and that changed a unit uh, that, that you knew 
as a kid growing up into what it is now and you've seen it transition uh, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts and I encourage the listeners to go back and listen to podcasts that I've done with Daniel if, if they're interested in Unit 3C. Uh, but give us a little bit of a lesson on maybe how 3C was before the fire and how it is now and just kind of the vibe going on with, with the unit. So uh, prior to the, the fire was in 2002. Um, and prior to that, my whole life growing up, it's always been um, just a, a conifer pine forest. Um you know, similar to what you would see, you know, up around Flagstaff or, or the Kaibab, just a lot of pine trees, uh, not real open, um, definitely not susceptible to glassing. Um, and that's kind of what it was, you know, my whole life growing up, clear up until 2002, um, when the Chetiskai, uh, Rodeo Chetiskai fire came through. Um, at that point, it actually opened up a lot of country. Um, it didn't, it didn't burn everything, um, it kind of mosaic through the trees, left a lot of green pockets, um, but it did burn quite a bit of the forest, um, which opened it up. Um, and since then, over the years, um, it's grown back up with, with some uh, quite a bit of ground cover that the deer like to eat on, um, a lot of oaks and uh, shaggy bark juniper um, have really started to take over. And, I mean, actually to the point where it's almost too thick but they've they've grown back up in a lot of these uh in that burn area and given it plenty of cover and stuff where the elk and deer and everything you know just love it and and actually spend a lot more time in the burn than they do in the green so and so with that you've you've kind of had to change how you hunt the unit in that i remember before the fire you know you were kind of limited to a few meadows here and there you know, you had a bunch of ponderosa pine, basically north of the 260 was pretty much all junipers, maybe with a few pine stringers. Um, mm-hmm. What what have the elk done since the fire? Um, you know, they, they really haven't changed a whole lot. Um, we still have elk down in the lower um, kind of pinyon cedar um, juniper country. Uh, we still have a lot of elk that, that like that burn area and, and elk that like the, the little areas of green pine trees that, that didn't burn. Um, the big difference is instead of, you know, hardly not being able to glass the uh, the unit at all, um, it, it's made it where we can glass, you know, especially a lot of the high country. It, it's very glassable. Uh, you can go glass a lot of that country. You can cover uh, a lot of that country with your eyes and you're not, you know, down on the ground chasing bugles on your on on foot and trying to catch up to as many bulls as you can in a in a morning or in a day. So um definitely has has changed um you know kind of for the better. It's allowed it's allowed allowed us to kind of expand the way we, we hunt a little more. Um but there's there's still a lot of those areas where you gotta kinda get out and and uh you know pound the pine trees and, and see what's in there. So how how have you seen the trophy um I believe they dropped 3C off the alternative management list, which um, I believe that is managed for high uh, bull-to-cow ratios. And you can tell me the facts on it, but I believe a couple years ago they dropped it off the management. What have you seen as far as the quality of bulls uh, since they've done that? 
you know, since they've done that, which I, I, I'm not sure the exact year, but I want to say about the same three or four years ago, um, once they dropped it off the alternative management, um, the numbers have stayed steady, uh, which is a good thing. Um, and of course now they're, they're kind of catering three C to, uh, a trophy mule deer unit. So they've, they've actually put that on their alternative management mule deer in the unit. Um, but it has, um, the, as far as the numbers, uh, the numbers of elk have stayed pretty steady the last, oh, I'd say four or five years. Um, and, uh, to be honest with you, we've, we've seen, um, a little bit of an increase in the quality, um, which, you know, it was after the fire, it, it really exploded in quality, got really, really good. Um, and then of course they, they started to do their, their tribal hunts on the reservation on the Fort Apache. Um, and that really knocked our, our quality down. Um, they were killing a lot of really good bulls, a lot of older age class bulls, um, on that late hunt because, you know, a lot of our bulls will migrate back to the reservation as soon as the rut's over for the winter. Um, so that hurt us. But since then, you know, here we are, 2016 going into 17. They've been hunting them since 2008, and and we're slowly seeing um, the, the quality increase. So uh, that's a positive thing. That's good. I'm looking at the regs right now, and it looks like the archery uh, tags are 125 bull tags. And it looks like, let's see, what's our cow tag numbers in there, Daniel? Uh, should be 50. Yeah. Should be 50 archery cow tags. Yeah, 50 archery uh, cow tags. Uh, believe mm-hmm. that's a no change from last season. Is that correct as far as the bull tags at 125? That's correct. That's actually been a no change for about the last three years. Okay. And, and prior to that, didn't they have it like as high as 150 or 175 permits? Uh, I think at one point in time, it was actually as high as 200. Wow. Um, but yeah, they've actually, they, they've cut those down to where we're 125. We got the 50 cow and, uh, even on the early rifle hunt, it used to be as high as 40 and now they've got that cut down to 25. So was the, um, was the bull hunt, the, uh, archery rifle hunt or muzzleloader, they flip flop. Was it, uh, 25 last year as well? Yes. Yep. 25 last year. And then the, and, and, the late hunts, did they, what did they do with the late hunts? Uh, you know, it, the late hunt used to be as high as 375 late tags. Um, and now they've got it cut down to 275, um, which I believe is a no change from last year as well. So, um, like I said, the numbers are holding steady. Um, so they're actually holding the, the tag number steady. So, um, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tell me about the quality of bulls. Uh, you guys had some hunters last year in the unit. Um, how was the hunt? Uh, now I'm t- talking specifically about the archery hunt here. How was the actual activity of the hunt with, you know, those dates of September 9th through the 22nd across the state? I've been hearing, you know, that it was too early. Uh, and these dates in 2017, starting on the 15th, uh, through the 28th, I think it's going to make it that much better. But um, I want to get your opinion on those, on the comparison of the dates and how it uh, was this last season. Well, you're you're right. I mean, that's exactly the same thing we saw in 3C. Uh, with the hunt starting on the 9th, um, what I noticed is the elk were just starting to get into their their rutting activity. They were just starting to get going. 
And then, of course, you had a huge influx of, of hunters show up in the woods. Um, and, and from what I saw, it just, it basically just kind of shut them down. Um, they weren't, they weren't deep enough into their rutting ritual to, to kind of carry on through and not care as much about hunters and, and people and pressure. Um, so that, uh, with it starting on the ninth and them just kind of getting rolling, it, it just suffocated them almost to the point where, I mean, they, they shut down pretty good. I mean, we had a couple of days that were, you know, pretty slow and, and pretty quiet, which, which hurt definitely on the archery hunt. Uh, and then by the end of the archery hunt, you know, you had, you had more and more guys still in tags, more and more guys not being able to, you know, take off the entire hunt or be able to, to hunt the whole time. Um, so as the pressure, um, decreased and died down, then, then the rut picked up. Um, so that last, uh, that last week of the archery hunt was, uh, was actually really good. Lots of bugling, uh, lots of running activity, fighting, um, so yeah, it, uh, it definitely, definitely hurt last year. Um, so on the flip side to that for 2017, it's going to, it's going to kind of, you know, just do the opposite. They're going to, by the 15th, they'll be, I mean, they'll be going and blowing by then. Um, you know, pretty much fully into their, into their rutting activities and rituals and doing their thing. Um, you know, I think the earliest I've, I can remember, um, ever seen a cow get bred in 3C was, was on the 13th of September, uh, which, you know, to us, even at that year, that was, that was pretty early. Um, typically it tends to be a little later in the year. Um, but you know, with that starting on the 15th, they're going to be going. So even with, uh, the start of the hunt and the hunting pressure that starts, um, it's not going to affect them near like it did this last year. Yeah, and I think, too, a big thing is like Labor Day for 2017 is September 4th. And if you remember last year with the Labor Day, it's almost like, and 3C is a nice forested you know, unit. It does get quite a bit of camping pressure and such. And when you put the start of the hunt that close to, in some of these units like unit one and, and, and even like nine and three C where it's a, you know, pretty high, you know, unit eight camping area. Um, you get a lot of those, um, summer, you know, campers and, and families and RVs and that whole thing. And, you know, with Labor Day being on the fourth this year and with the hunt, not starting to the 15th, you've got 11 full days for them to kind of calm and settle down, uh, and kind of get into their routine, so to speak. And, uh, you know, the dark moon being on September 20th, um, I, I, I think that is going to play an interesting role in the rut. What are your thoughts about how the moon is going to play in with that September 15th start if the moon is, um, uh, dark on the 20th? Uh, I, <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. Um. You know, that's, that's one thing that we always tend to struggle with is whenever we have uh, elk rut and full moon, especially during the archery hunt or even the early rifle hunt for that matter, um, it just, they just spend so much time on their feet at night and, and, you know, going crazy and it, it just, it really affects, uh, your morning hunts. They, they, they tend to shut down early. Um, they get to their beds early. Um, and then of course you do get, uh, a little more evening activity on those, but with that being the dark of the moon, um, and kind of kicking right into the start of the peak of their rut. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. It's uh, as far as the dates in the moon phase. Um, this is in my opinion, kind of projecting to be one of the, 
one of the best years we've had in, in the last, uh, I can think of probably four or five years. So should be really good. For sure. I'm looking at the Go Hunt Insider uh, draw statistics, and it's showing last year in 3C uh, for archery that uh, non-residents, I'm talking specifically non-residents here, that uh, uh, 60% of the non-residents with 50, 15 points uh, drew the tag and 100% with 16 points. Uh, in your mind, how does that play into with the non-residents drawing and with the residents, I I, I don't have the, um, not flipping over to the screen with the residents, but I think residents are kind of guaranteed at that, what, 10 or 11 mark? Uh, about 11. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen some guys kind of skip through with 10. Um, it's not real high. A lot, of, a lot of guys with 10 do draw, but pretty much 11 is a guaranteed for the residents. Um, whereas, you know, last year it, uh, with the change by the gaming fish of, of only given um, 50% of the tags to the, to the maximum pass for non-residents. Uh, it did bump that from uh, about 12 to 13 up to, up to 15. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and then last year you guys have had over the years, you guys have had some tremendous success on the archery and the early rifle and the muzzleloader hunts. Um, would you say as far as quality of bulls from what, what you actually saw, uh, bulls that you killed, um, et cetera, that, that, you know, would you say that the quality is on the upswing or is it about the same? Uh, I would definitely say it's on the upswing. Um, and that's probably because we had a pretty good year last year. Um, we, uh, we killed uh, one of the one of the biggest bulls that we've killed in the unit um, last year on the early rifle hunt, um, and uh, he was a mid three nineties bull that was that was broke a little bit, missing missing an extra and missing a couple of uh, inches off of some uh, eye guards in the third. Um, How big was he? Three ninety five. Wow. And he was he was missing what from what we figured in somewhere between seven and eight inches between an extra and and, and chip points. Um, we, we killed that bull last year on the early rifle. We killed a, a low 370s bull. Um, uh, we killed another bull that was uh, just shy of 360. Um, and we actually saw a couple of other bulls that uh, that uh, we just, just couldn't get killed that were in that 370 to, to 380 range. So wow. um, I, would, I would say that the quality is definitely up. Uh, we, were, we were impressed last year with the unit. We, uh, we hit it pretty hard. Uh, we had a couple of archery hunters, and then we had three early rifle hunters. So we were uh, we spent quite a bit of time in the unit, and uh, and it, it paid off. We were we were fortunate. We harvested some great bulls. So that's awesome. Um, do you see those the elk um, as consistent on that southern boundary with the uh, White Mountain Apache uh, Indian Reservation? You know, like always those elk moving back and forth. And as the rut really progresses, um, you get bulls that actually come off the res. And some people think that they just come off the res and, you know, just hang on the res line. I, I found it when I used to hunt that unit a lot, you know, you'd find what I would call a res bull, you know, they could cross the 260 highway and, you know, be on the north side or they, they could virtually be anywhere, you know, bull elk at night walking can, you know, cover cover a bunch of ground and be rutting and then, you know, head back to the reservation. Is that kind of the same way that it still is now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, 
there's been times where we're we're hunting you know a specific bull in an area and we're you know we're we're north of 260 by by a few miles even and uh we've been in there four or five days trying you know chasing this one bull and all of a sudden one morning we go in there and there's three other bulls in there that you know have come from you know a couple of miles away to come into there because you know obviously there was a hot cow or a couple of hot cows in the area um but that's kind of the beauty of 3c is with it with it bordering the reservation all along that south border um you never know what you're going to see yeah. from day to day uh because those bulls as soon as you know as soon as that that peak comes along and you know they get cows bred whatever the case might be um you just never know every morning when you go out what you're going to run into um and and to be honest with you i mean we've seen we've seen bulls even as far as far down north of, of even Highway 277 um, that that come all the way down there to rut, and then we'll turn and head back to the res once the rut's over. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely the same types of patterns, um, and that's what makes it so fun. Yeah, for sure, because you never know what you're going to get. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the late archery. Um, I, I know those late archery hunts are tough. Uh, but with, with the late rifle dates bumping back December 1st through the 7th, which it's pretty late for our late hunts. Um, um, they don't get much later than that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, it, it, it bumped it back about a week. Yeah. And so my question is how tough are those late archery hunts in 3A, 3C? I'm, I'm looking at you know, 40% of the non-residents with only two bonus points last year drew the tag. Um, so w- w- what's the what's the deal with those late archery elk hunts in there? Well, they're not for the faint of heart, I'll say that. They're, uh, they're definitely tough. Um, by that time, a lot of the mature bulls that are typically in 3C in September, October, um, have already headed south to the reservation. Um, that's not to say that there aren't some that do hang around or stick around. Um, every you know every year is a little bit different as far as the rut's concerned, and we've seen in some years when that rut kind of kind of carries on through, where you get some cows that don't get bred on their first or second cycle, and and they're still kind of carrying over into the first part of November. Um, we've seen. Uh, mature bulls, pretty good bulls, 330 to 350 type bulls, um, still hanging around and still with cows uh, that time of year. You've, now, you've actually heard them said, bugling some too. Yes. Yep. Yep. We've heard them bugling. We've been out uh, uh, scouting for the late rifle hunt um, during that hunt and uh, actually have heard bulls bugling, um, seen bulls with cows. Um, but at that point, I mean, they're, they've kind of wised up by then. They're they're hanging around for one thing and one thing only. Um, I, I don't think you would be able to, to slip in on one of those bulls and cow call and get them to come in. It's probably, you know, it's not definitely not a September or October hunt where they completely lose their mind. Um, but, but at least they give away their location, uh, lots of spot and stock, lots of glassing. Um, <clears throat> and to be honest with you, the quality is just, it's low. Um, most guys that put in for that, um, kind of go into it with the mindset that you know what i'm it's a it's a bull tag it's an archery bull tag it's late in the air and i'm gonna shoot the first thing i see with horns so 
Um, and if you go into it with that, that it's, hey, it's an elk hunt, and I want to kill a bull, and I want to use my bow, um, then it's then it's not a horrible hunt. I mean, <clears throat> you'll see a lot of elk, um, especially in those transition areas where they're transitioning um, from you know state land to reservation. Um, it's just a matter of getting close enough to uh, be able to get a shot with archery tackle. Tell me about the late hunt uh, this year being the first through the seventh. Is that likely to have you know snow and be quite a bit colder? And being a week later, um, I was talking with Steve Chapel about in generalities about late hunts on a on an episode and um he thought that you know being a week later that you know it would make those bulls feed he wasn't specifically talking about 3c but um how do you think that plays into a strategy if someone was wanting to put in for that december 1st through the 7th late hunt well specifically to 3c i don't think it's going to really affect it that much being just one week later um I do think that those bulls will will be up feeding a little bit longer. It seems like the later in the year they go, and even early into January and February, um, I mean, we've seen days where they stay up and feed all day long. Um, they're just trying to regain um, fat and energy um, from the rut to you know to make it through the winter. So um, I think they'll definitely you know be out feeding. Um, I don't think we're gonna. To be honest with you, I don't think in a week you're going to, to lose any bulls to the reservation. Most of the bulls that are, are going to go back to the res are going to be there uh, by the time, you know, the, the first part of November rolls around. So one week later, the end of November, the first of December, really won't affect it much, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's just the, the same type of deal. It's it's the quality issue that we run into on that hunt, um, you know, a, Typically, all your a lot of your mature bulls are back on the reservation, and what bulls aren't, uh, you're, you're fighting broken points a lot. Bulls that are broken, missing half a, you know, half a horn, uh, multiple tines, uh, that all kind of plays into it. You know, one thing I didn't ask about is this year it's an early rifle hunt. You killed that big giant on the muzzleloader. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last last season, but this year it's an early rifle. Correct. Uh, no, it was actually early rifle last year as well. Okay, so they didn't flip-flop yeah. it. It's going to be early rifle, and there's 25 tags. Uh, yeah. I've got to think those dates, those bulls will just be losing their mind. Um, or or oh, do yeah. you feel like going into October 5th that they'll be really shutting down at the end, or do you think it's just going to be maximum peak as wide open as it gets, and the only challenge is maybe fighting a few broken points? No, I, I definitely think towards the end of that hunt, it's going to be tapering off. Um, it seems like from what we've seen over, you know, the many years that we've been out chasing out in September, um, it, it seems like our, here in 3C specifically, our bulls typically peak between the 20th to the 27th, 28th, somewhere in that week. Um, and after that peak, it, it definitely does start to taper off as far as, uh, activity and, and craziness of the rut. Um, so it'll definitely start to taper off, which to be honest with you is kind of good and bad. Um, uh, because if you've got a bull that you're wanting to kill, um, with it starting to taper off, a lot of the smaller bulls will leave. Um, he'll be worried about his cows. Um, and it actually makes it a little bit easier to, to get in on them and kill them at times like that. Um, but yeah, the, I think broken points will be an issue. Uh, with it being that late in the year and with the uh, 
with the moon phase as well. So, yeah. Uh, let's uh, shift gears. Do you have anything else to add on 3C? I want to talk to you about uh, Unit 1 and, and 4B a little bit here. Um, no, I think we've, uh, I think we've covered it pretty good. Sounds good. I do want to take a quick uh, second here to, uh, thank my sponsors of the podcast. Uh, of course, GoHunt.com Insider has been the title sponsor of this podcast basically from the beginning. And like I discussed here with Daniel before, uh, going over some of these draw odds on GoHunt.com Insider, which is a subscription, um, a membership-based uh, resource, um, they have just released their Arizona draw odds, and they have actually broken down with the new non-resident numbers with 5% of those uh, tags going to non-residents with the max uh, bonus points and then uh, five in the random pool. We now have these new odds. And uh, if you guys use the J Scott outdoors, or excuse me, the J Scott promo code, you actually get a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, when signing up. So just go to gohunt.com. Uh, forward slash insider use the j scott promo code uh, also like to thank real game calls uh, real game calls makes the elk reel they're just about to release the turkey and the buck reels uh, go to their website you get a 20 percent discount if you use the j scott promo code uh, phone scope they make the best of uh, digiscoping adapters for uh, being able to convert your phone uh, to any spotting scope or binocular if you use the J Scott 16 promo code, you get a 10% discount. And then, of course, the Outdoorsman's here in Phoenix, the Optics Authority, Cody Nelson and his crew down there at the Outdoorsman's. Uh, if you use the J Scott promo code, you're going to get 10% off uh, on, on the products down there at the Outdoorsman's. So, uh, guys, I appreciate you supporting the sponsors. Uh, they do a great job supporting my podcast, and we've had to great partnerships with those four companies. And so I just want to thank them uh, as well as thank you guys, the listeners for all your loyal uh, support. Uh, Daniel, I want to uh, talk just briefly about unit 4B because it's kind of, if you will, the redheaded buck to stepchild uh, <laughs> n next to uh, uh, such a diamond, uh, such a jewel um, of 3C. Um, but last year, uh, you assisted uh, Dar and Parker Colburn on his uh, 4B archery hunt and uh, uh, put them out in one of your little honey holes. And uh, they, they, Parker was able to shoot just a awesome bull, quite honestly, for anywhere, but a really awesome bull for 4B. I just get your thoughts on uh, this coming year for 4B and, and maybe a little bit of last year and the success, um, you know, was was that a complete fluke or uh it, it, and nothing against dar or parker or yourself <laughs> but i mean 4b is just really not known for those kind of bulls well and, and it's not um you know dar and i had talked in length prior to uh prior to him putting parker in um about 4b we knew he had the points to draw it as a resident um and, you know, they, they went in with the attitude that, hey, we want to get uh, an archery oak hunt <clears throat> under Parker's belt. We want him to, you know, have a pretty good time. We know it's not a premium unit. We know it's not going to be a, 
you know, a, a 3C or, or Unit 9 or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been telling him, he said, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's not the greatest unit in the state, but it, it's got some bulls and it's got some, some, some pockets. You know, that's the, the one thing about 4B is it's, uh, it's extremely pocketed. And I know I've mentioned this in the past on previous podcasts. Um, it, it's not like the entire unit has elk in it, which when you drive through it, you're thinking, oh, there's got to be elk in here. But, but uh, for some reason in 4B, they tend to gravitate towards pockets that they like, and they return to the same pockets um, in September during the rut. And uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of where, where I had put them at in a, in a place that I've hunted for years. Uh, it's a little pocket that I could go down there today um, <clears throat> in January, and I would not see an elk. And I could go in there in July, and I would not see an elk. But for some reason, these elk like to gravitate into this pocket every September, and that's where they rut. It's their ritual. Um, and 4B's got a lot of that. So if you can, if you can find those types of areas and those types of pockets, and and know they're there and know they exist, and you you know found them in the past or found them in the past, um, then then you can be successful in that unit. Um, now, granted, I didn't, uh, I didn't anticipate them killing a bull of that caliber down there. Um, however, it's not the first time we've seen a bull of that caliber in that, in that country. Um, we've killed a, a couple of bulls out of there, uh, a couple on the archeries that, that scored in the 350s. Uh, we killed a rifle bull out of there that scored 360. Um, and we actually saw uh, probably the biggest bull I've ever seen in 4B in that same country. Um, oh, I want to say four or five years ago, uh, with a client and, uh, we're just unable to, unable to get him killed. So, um, it was, uh, <laughs> it was just one of those things where, you know, I knew the elk were in there. Um, I had told Dar, Hey, I know you're not going to see any elk in there scouting, but you just trust me, just go in there and I guarantee you there'll be elk and there will be bulls. So, uh, and speaking about the late archery and the late rifle and 4B, that th- those are kind of tags that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, to be to be brutally honest, yes. Are you smiling? Um, oh, I, I'm smiling. I can see your face and you're blushing. <laughs> oh yeah, um, they're tough. Yeah, they're, I they're mean just, they're they're tough. They're they're very tough. They are they're very tough. Um, you don't get the the huge influx of, of bulls that move into that unit during the rut, you do get some. Um, I know for a fact that there's been bulls that have come uh, off of the reservation through through 3C and into 4B um, during the rut, and then as the rut winds down, they turn around and, and head back. Um, so you don't have a, a large um, population of elk to begin with, um, so when you roll into those late hunts, um, they can be, they can be brutal. They can be extremely tough. Um, you know, if you, if you put in the time and, and you spend a lot of time in the unit and, and do your homework, um, they're not impossible. Uh, I know of a, a couple of guys that had that tag this year and did good. Uh, there was a family here in, uh, in town locals, um, that had tags in that unit and, and they did exceptional as far as I'm concerned. Um, they did really well. So, um, there's, there's elk, there's just not a lot of elk. Sure. Um, so those hunts can be brutal. Let's jump over to another unit that you really like. And I know your partner, Mikey likes it, uh, 
<laughs> That's pretty good. Mikey likes it. Um, Mikey likes it. Ask Mikey. Mikey likes he likes it. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mike Hancock, uh, you and you and Mike like Unit One. Of course, Unit One is lumped in with One, Two B, and Two C. Quite honestly, I don't know that anybody actually hunts Two B and Two C. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anybody, but we've spent a little bit of time uh, in Two C, um, but it, it's kind of like you know they they lump three C and three A together. Uh, there are elk in three A. There's just not a lot of elk. So they lump it together with 3C, kind of the same with Unit 1 and 2B and 2C. Um, there are some elk in the unit, <clears throat> just not a lot, and definitely not, not enough to support its own hunt. So they lump it in with Unit 1. Um, but, Chad, Unit 1, it, it's a great unit. Um, we've, we've spent quite a few years in it. Um, Mike actually grew up hunting it um, when he was younger and has hunted it quite a bit. Um, I think I've even said this on, on previous podcasts, uh, in my opinion, um, unit one could be one of the best units in the state, if not the best. Um, however, the biggest issue and the biggest problem that we run into with unit one, uh, is just the tag numbers. Yeah. I believe there's 300, uh, archery bull tags, correct? Yeah. 300 archery bull. And then there's an additional, uh, and I haven't even looked at it this year, but last year I want to say there was 75 archery cow. Um, so you've got 375 and, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't seem like a lot for anybody that has been in unit one. Uh, unit one is a ginormous unit. Um, it's got, it, it's every bit of it is elk habitat and elk country and pretty much the majority of the unit, um, has elk in it for the most part. Um, what we've really started to see over the last couple of years with, you know, after the Wallow fire in 2011, um, when, when that quality really started to jump up and, and, you know, the, the dynamics of that unit changed as well with being able to glass more, um, and, and find these, these big bulls that a lot of times were living in the, in that dark timber that you never could, you know, ever, ever see or, or hunt. Um, so with that change as well in the dynamics of that unit, um, similar to 3C, that's that's kind of changed the whole uh, the whole hunting game in in Unit One. So, um, in your opinion, the, if if they um, let's let's just say they got a wild hair and said we want to create the best elk unit in the world, and they dropped it to a hundred bull tags and let's say you know twenty five cow tags, in how many years would it take for it to be unrivaled as far as quality you know to be honest with you it, if, if they were to do that this year um it would be phenomenal this year because it that unit has the bulls it has the quality it has the quantity um it has the population it, it's got everything going for it um the only problem is you know the, the, the number of hunts and, and the number of tags that they have in that unit um, if they were to drop it this year, it would be phenomenal this year and even better next year. Um, it would it would take off and explode. Um, you is, know, is there anybody really start- petitioning saying, you know, let's ease up on the 300 and let's ease up on some of these late hunts and and let's just pl- make a just a complete jewel out of the unit? Or is I mean, I'm sure it goes a little bit on deaf ears because they've got to harvest elk. It, they- 
They do. They, they've got a harvest elk. They've got, uh, they've got objectives to meet. Um, and to be honest with you, the unit has a lot of elk. Um, in fact, that is kind of one of the issues that we've ran into uh, here in recent years is you'll find a bull that you want to kill on that archery hunt, and it's not uncommon for him to have 20, uh, 30, 40. We've even seen it as high as 50, uh, where that one bull has just a, a, an astronomical number of cows, which you, you put that into play as well as more open country with that burn, and you've got a bow in your hand, and it, it, it just makes it almost impossible to, to get within bow range of that bull to try to kill him. So um, the numbers are, are, are way up there as far as population. Um, so it's hard to kind of convince the game and fish that, hey, we need to cut the pool tags down um, in order to, to make it a better hunt when, when their surveys and everything are telling them, no, we've got plenty of elk. Um, and, and to be honest with you, that's why they're, why they're keeping those tag numbers uh, where they're at. Gotcha. Uh, I I do know I've talked to guys that have hunted it over the last couple of years, and some of them have said, you know, if you pull in there late, it's hard to find a place to camp. There's people literally on every oh, yeah. pullout, and you know, we've got the summer campers that are still probably up there camping and filtering, you know, you know, starting to filter the way out. But um, you you throw 300 and then 75 cow tags, you got 375 of your friends up there. Uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Well, and, and that's the, that's another one of the big issues that we're seeing up there in unit one. Um, it's kind of become, you know, the next unit nine where, where one guy draws a tag and four buddies show up to accompany him. And so now instead of only having 300 guys in the woods, now all of a sudden we've got eight, 900 guys in the woods. Um, and the real frustrating thing is, uh, it, it's not uncommon to be on a bull in unit one and, and working in on him and all of a sudden see two guys, you know, loop around through the trees and drop down in on him and neither one of them are even packing a bow. Um, right. They're just looking for their friend. They got a video camera in their hand and they're just looking for a friend. Um, and that's, that's another one of the big obstacles that we're seeing in unit one is, is there's, you know, there's a lot of tags and a lot of hunters, which equals a lot of tag alongs, a lot of friends, a lot of, of extras. Um, and, and so that makes it difficult. What kind of, um, I'm scrolling through here. Let's see. Uh, looks like they're going to have a 40 tag early rifle hunt, uh, September 29th through October 5th, mm-hmm. uh, 40 tags. How do you see that early rifle hunt stacking up with, uh, some of the other early rifle hunts in the state? You know, it's going to be good. Um, just because the unit's so good. Uh, one thing that we've kind of noticed um, here in past years is um, for one reason or another, um, people don't seem to be harvesting um, the biggest bulls on those early rifle hunts in unit one. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not an expert. I couldn't, you know, tell you, well, this is why my opinion is that because there's so many archery hunters and so much pressure um, that a lot of these bulls get pushed from from where they're rutting, um, from where they you know start out the rut. That by the time you get through with two weeks of archery hunts, um, it really pushes those bulls and cows and, and spreads them out and, and pushes them into to pockets. Um, we especially saw this a couple of years ago 
where they got you know pushed out of areas and, and traveled as far as three or four miles uh, into little areas to just to get away from people. Um, so by the time that rifle hunt rolls around, um, it, it's with it only being a week long, it, it's hard to to try to find some of these bigger bulls that you know they may have scouted and seen all summer long or 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 found right before the start of the archery hunt, and all of a sudden now they're gone. Um, so I, we we've kind of seen that trend the last couple of years. Um, you know, and I'm not saying they don't kill any big bulls. Obviously, they've killed some really really big bulls on that early rifle and early muzzleloader hunt. But as far as kind of the the general norm, um, it seems to us like like they're killing bigger bulls and better bulls on the archery hunt than than they are on the early rifle. How do you see uh, unit one with the 30 tags late archery? To me, that seems like it probably a pretty good hunt if there's only 30 tags. It's late archery. You might get, although the, it's a week later this year and it's in November, obviously. Uh, the dates are um, November 10th through November 23rd. I mean, there's so many elk in Unit 1. Do you potentially see there being some bugling, some crazy, you know, kind of late bugling? Um, and, and, you know, how would that be, do you think, compared to, say, a 3C late archery? Wouldn't the late archery in Unit 1 be quite a bit better than the 3C hunt? Absolutely. Hand, hands down. I mean, it would be... I would I would burn a three three C late archery tag uh, for the chance to hunt a unit one late archery tag. Um, the the big thing that you get in unit one unit one has a lot of bulls that stay there year round um, that are are resident elk um, that will winter there that will will shed their antlers there in the springtime. Um, so so they don't get the huge um, migration if you will back to the reservation a lot of times. Um, as, as the rut winds down, uh, a lot of those bulls do stay there. So, you know, a guy can, a guy can glass that unit now that, that burn has come through and opened it up, uh, quite a bit. Um, it, it's more susceptible to glassing. Um, and I actually spoke to a guy last year that had that unit one late archery and, uh, he got on, on bulls on uh, a couple of different mornings that were bugling and, uh, you know, giving away their position and he was able to slip in and, and uh, got multiple shots and, and, you know, killed a bull. So, um, yeah, definitely. It, 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 probably one of the better late archery hunts in the state. Um, I would say probably between that and 23, uh, those are probably two of the best late archery hunts in the state. And with unit one only having 30 tags and as big as that unit is, um, you know, if a guy can brave the cold and and, uh, and uh, put on his long johns, he could, he could have a great hunt in that, in that unit. Time to put the longies on. on. Uh, the, you know it. The late hunt um, in Unit 1 is December 1st through December 7th, and there's 325 uh, bull tags. Um, and then the week after that, the December 8th uh, through the 14th, is the antlerless hunt in there, 300 tags. But you kind of like that Unit 1 late hunt because of the glassing ability, don't you? We do. We do. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's more glassable, um, and, and, and there's a lot more elk. Um, you know, very, very different than 3C where everything's moving out. A lot of it stays there in Unit 1, um, so you've got elk to see, elk to chase. Um, last year, we actually had two clients in 3C uh, on that late elk hunt. And that first day, 
oh shoot, I think between uh, myself and then Devin and our clients, um, I think that first day we saw close to 50, 50, 55 bulls um, on, that, on that first day uh, and actually had a heartbreaker. We actually shot a bull uh, on opening morning, um, center punched him, uh, watched him go over the ridge. He was right at the top of the ridge. He went over the ridge. Um, and long story short, uh, we blood trailed him for eight, 900 yards and some other guys, other hunters that were in there, um, actually saw the bull the next day and watched him climb out of a bottom and go clear up over the top of another big ridge. And, uh, we were, we were unable to, to relocate him and everybody gave us the same story that, I mean, it was a perfect right behind the shoulder shot and still to this day, don't know what happened there, but he was, uh, he was probably right there at 360. Um, and that was in unit and, 3C uh, or unit one? That was in unit one. Okay. Okay. I thought you said 3C. Yep. So, so I mean, yep. no, that was in so unit close one. to having a 360 bull and he just got away from you and that happens. Um, yeah. And it, and it does. It's, you know, it's part of hunting. Um, not sure why, if it was a bullet or, or, or what, you know, the case might've been, but you know, it is what it is. So, uh, still managed to kill, uh, kill a couple of solid bulls. So, uh, had a great hunt, saw a lot of elk, a lot of bulls. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's cold that time of year up there in unit one, but, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, how, in our, yeah. How does the December for, how does the week later play into, does it make unit one actually better? Do you think going a week later? Uh, yeah, I don't think it really matters that much with just a week. Um, you know, they're, they're already going to be uh, where they're at. Uh, a lot of the bulls that we were seeing um, during the late hunt this year, uh, Mike had Devin and seen while they were in there on the deer hunt. Um, and then uh, we had seen in there a couple of weeks prior to. So, um, you know, they were already where they were going to be. Um, it was just a matter of, of getting in there and, and getting on them and, and uh, getting them killed. So um, I really don't think that one week is going to change hardly anything they're going to be in there i don't think the weather is going to be you know any colder it's it's always going to be you know pretty cold uh in unit one on that late hunt you just have to be ready for it so seems like they've gotten quite a bit of snow um i was seeing some reports i believe over at the uh, uh fort apache at the ski area there and um mm -hmm. they've got pretty good skiing over there which you know some years it's a little bleak yeah yeah, you know, and that's one of the that's one of the the big positives about uh, Unit One, about Unit Twenty Seven, Three uh, C, um, and even you know parts of, of Twenty Three is uh, with the Mogollon Rim and the reservation and 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 uh, all that higher elevation, higher country. Um, we're not quite as susceptible to the drought as as like a Unit Nine or a Unit Ten, um, where where it seems like, you know, if we can just get some moisture in a winter and, and in a spring, um, our, our elk um, react to it very well. And, and we, you know, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're completely um, out, of the, out of the drought picture because um, we have had drought years, but um, it seems like if we can just get some moisture, a little bit of moisture, um, it tends to hold on a lot longer up here. Um, and, and we don't, we don't see those drought effects near as, as bad as some of the other units in the state. Yeah, for sure. And you've got quite a bit more live water and, you know, quite a mm -hmm. bit of water, actually, you got tanks and all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. 
for those of uh, for the listeners out there, you can follow um, Daniel on Instagram at Franco. That's F R A N C O underscore B T O, um, and the B T O obviously stands for Burnt Timber Outfitters. And his partner and associate uh, is Mike Hancock, and he's Mikey M I K E E underscore B T O, uh, and then Jay Lewis. Uh, is J, uh, the letter J, uh, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S underscore B-T-O. Um, Daniel, uh, Burnt Timber Outfitters, uh, you would say send the listeners to there and then they can get your phone number and, and if they want to talk to you more about 3C or Unit 1 or 4B or 23, any of those units, uh, they can call you on the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah, they can get on our uh, on our website, burntimberoutfitters.com. Uh, it has uh, mine and Mike's uh, cell phone numbers and emails. Um, they they go right to our phone, so we get emails fairly quick. Uh, we try to return them as quick as we can. Um, and uh, yeah, we enjoy talking about you know hunting elk in Arizona. So um, we welcome anyone to to give us a call and and uh, kind of custom discuss strategy and whatnot. Um, and we've also got our uh, uh, Burnt Timber Outfitters um, on Instagram um, as well. So between the between the four of us and that, we we try to stay on it and post some stuff up. So sounds good. Now let's talk, let's let's really talk turkey. Um, Daniel's taking a <laughs> taking a group. gobble 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 gobble. Let's talk uh, let's talk Mexico coos deer. Uh, Daniel's mm-hmm. taking a group. Uh, down to a ranch that Dar and I went to in uh, February when we're down in Mexico scouting ranches. We found a big giant ranch, and um, this this particular ranch is quite honestly, it's just a little bit far for us to take with paying clients because of the just the the logistics of getting in and getting out of the ranch, and with the road being a little bit um, chewed up. Uh, and Daniel and his crew. Uh, saw the pictures and 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 uh, heard the excitement in Darnay's voice about the ranch. Are you guys are you guys getting excited to head south for the uh, coos rut? We are. We're very excited. Um, in fact, if I if I recall correctly, I think your exact words were, "I think I found the holy grail." <laughs> so we didn't really need to look at pictures. We just said, "Okay, we're in." Yeah. Well. <laughs> Dar would probably argue that I found the Holy Grail once or twice before, so um, <laughs> that maybe didn't pan out. But you know, it's 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 one of these properties that's just a beautiful, big, big, big property, and and I think the potential there is is endless. Um, you know, it's it's just got the look. It's got kind of all of the country. It's got enough rough. It's got enough steep. It's got enough thick. Um, you know, mixed with some big yellow ridges and, you know, some open areas and, um, you know, really mm-hmm. good glassing points and, and the owners, you know, put in a bunch of roads and really it's one of those ranches that we really don't know what we've got. Um, and you guys are, you know, I told you from the beginning, you guys are kind of the guinea pigs and you're like, you know, oink, oink, put us in the game coach. <laughs> and, uh, so you've got a great, great crew of, of guys going down that can really glass and, um, you know, Dar's just licking his chops because he says, you know, if one thing we send Franco's group down there, we'll know what we got after a week of those guys hunting there. So I think that the opportunity to, to 
you know, we can't control the weather or the rut or anything like that. But, you know, the timing right. of going down, um, you know, that week you're going down the same week we're going down, you know, it, mm-hmm. I'm expecting good things from you guys for sure. Well, so are we, and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to leave a few bucks for you, uh, <laughs> for next year, but, uh, I'm not going to give you any promises. Yeah. And, I, ho- uh, I hope you all yeah, shoot one twenties. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> we're, 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 you know, it's, that's kind of our, our break from, from guiding and everything, you know, we, we guide and we, we, we help clients all year and we love it. Um, but there's just something about pulling the trigger for yourself. So, you know, we, we always look forward to these Mexico cruise deer hunting trips, you know, me and Mike and Devin and, uh, you know, our, our BTO family and guys that help us every year and friends and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it should just be an absolute blast and, uh, we'll, little more, more here in a couple of weeks so are you taking are you taking that brother-in-law of yours again because dang you took him last year and posted him up on a point and he killed 125 <laughs> or some crazy looking buck and um I, I think he would n- not get the invite this year if he was my brother-in-law you know i, I thought about it i kicked it around actually and he wasn't uh, one of the first ones that i invited I <laughs> and, he, and he's gonna hear this but he already knows this um, you know, it, it, it's just such a big ranch and so many tags that, uh, you know, we started putting the crew together and we had a, you know, a couple of tags and I, 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 just so you know, I've given him specific instructions that if he happens to kill the biggest buck again this year, he is done. <laughs> he can find his own group of guys. He can find his own way down to Mexico because he sure as heck ain't hunt with me. Oh so. man, I love it. I hope he kills the biggest, gnarliest, <laughs> just some just crazy buck. I would just, oh, I would, oh. the needling that I would be able to do over the next year of Andrew oh, killing another just, big buck. He'll have to oh, find a ride back to the border because you guys will leave him in the dust. You you know he's already the brother-in-law, so you know he gets gets uh, you know he gets hazed as it is, and now all of oh, a sudden yeah. he's. Uh, He's going to shoot another And he giant. does, too. Yeah, I know he does. Poor so, guy. Well, buddy. But yeah, we're, uh, we're excited. Yeah, good. Um, it'll be good to see you down there um, when we cross. And, uh, yeah, I'm real excited to see how you guys do with your crew. And I know you'll have a great time. And, and um, yeah. yeah, you guys did great last year. And, and uh, so, yeah, well, it's been great talking to you about 3C and, and Unit 1 and um, a little bit about 4B. Also, I encourage the listeners out there, if they're interested in any of those units and have any follow-up questions, to look Daniel up and his crew, uh, BurntTimberOutfitters.com. Uh, Daniel, it's uh, always a pleasure. You've been a great friend for many years and uh, just look forward to many more adventures. Uh, Thanks for coming on here on the podcast, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. All right, buddy. Take care. God bless.